You're listening to the King's Church Podcast. Visit us online at kingswisbeach.org.uk. Good morning. Nice to see everybody here today. I must admit, I am I'm surprised, I'm humbled, and I also want to say a big congratulations to you. Um, because I'm surprised that there are so many people here today. I'm humbled that a lot of people have made meeting together and worshiping God together a priority, which is fantastic. Um, Because, yeah, you could have been watching the football. I know we're going to be catching up, we're recording it, we're going to be watching it as soon as we leave today. Um, But well done, that's great, fantastic. I'm going to be um, speaking on Mark chapter 16, verses 1 to 8. So if you have a Bible with you or you have a Bible app, if you haven't got a Bible with you and you'd like to follow along, there should be Bibles inside the plastic sort of packs on your tables. So if you want to turn to Mark chapter 16, verses 1 to 8, um, please feel free to do that. Um, I'm going to be calling my sermon today, Rolling Stones. That's going to be my title. Um, who, who likes the band? Rolling Stones. Some people do. All right. It's not, it's not about the band. Sorry. Sorry, Maddie. Not today. But you'll, you, you'll get my drift as we, as we go through. So let's read the verse today then. Mark 16, verses 1 to 8. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him, but go. Tell his disciples and Peter he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. So how, how does that saying go? I know we've got some um, people from international communities with us. Um, in English, there's a saying. And if you're able to shout out the answer, please do so. It's, it goes something like, there are only two, not, not the rolling stone gathers no moss, although that's a good one. I like where you're going with that one, Anna. And there's another one. There are two things that we can be certain of in life. These are death and taxes, okay? The only two things we can be certain of in life are death and taxes. And that is a saying um, that we have. And I think it's wonderful that Jesus addresses both of these things. Taxes, he says, give to Caesar. What belongs to Caesar? It's got Caesar's face stamped on it, so to give it back to him. And he also addresses death. Um, And that's the topic of today's sermon. 
Hello, my boy. You're going to have to go with Granny or someone, okay? Because I'm, I'm busy right now. So, initially I thought of calling this sermon Grave, but my wife thought it sounded a bit too depressing. So, asked me to think of something else, uh, which is fair enough. Um, it's not easy to put a positive spin on death, is it? Death is very final. It's extremely inevitable and in fact it's guaranteed and it can be very painful and sad so no wonder it's a taboo subject that many find too difficult to think about let alone discuss so you've, you've done quite well today in some of those discussions we had a bit earlier on however we do need to discuss death because for us to get a complete understanding of the gospel of Jesus, we need to talk about it. We've just taken part in communion, which is one of the foundational things, acts of Christianity, and it's based around death. It points to other things as well, and so does the death and the grave of Jesus. Because although death is inevitable and painful and sad, it is not the end. The grave is not our eternal resting place. And it is the rolling stone in the story that starts to explain this to us. Let's remember that um, Nicodemus, so this is part of a, a, a four-sermon series. This is sermon number three. You can catch up on ones you've missed on the website. And we've already heard of a guy called Nicodemus who was a follower of Jesus. He was quite wealthy. Um, he was high up in the sort of politics of Jerusalem of the day. Um, so Nicodemus, we recall from a previous sermon, was given a special license, special permission to bury Jesus's body after it had been crucified, rather than it just being thrown onto the rubbish heap, which is what usually happened to crucified bodies. And we're told that he was buried in a tomb that the wealthy Joseph of Arimathea, another follower of Jesus, owned. Probably owned it for a relative one day or even maybe himself perhaps we were not quite sure but he, he had bought and owned this tomb and such tombs like this were commonly cut out of rock and were sealed with a heavy stone to close the entrance and stones like this um, would require multiple people and a lot of strength and effort to push it and roll it across the entrance to the tomb. Joseph of Arimathea didn't push the stone by himself. There was Nicodemus there. There most probably would have been a few others as well to help heave the stone across um, after they had prepared Jesus' body and had placed him in it. Now, we come to our part in the story that we're looking at today. 
The woman couldn't go and attend Jesus' body or go to the tomb or anything because it was um, the Passover. This time has now come to an end, so they're heading to the tomb at the first opportunity to go and do something for Jesus, to anoint his body. And we see them in verse 3. They ask each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? Who's going to do it? Because there are these other people three days before who helped put it in place, but, you know, it's just us now. Who's going to help us? This tells us that the women, even though they were going to Jesus' tomb, they were not expecting the resurrection. They weren't anticipating Jesus to be alive. They're expecting to find a dead body in a sealed tomb and that they would have to ask someone for help to open it. I know my mum won't mind me sharing this story, but she says these days, whenever she goes to a supermarket, she goes prepared to ask someone else if she sees a couple walking around. She'll go and ask the wife, please can I borrow your husband? And she gets a mixture of responses to that question. And usually it's because the husband is tall and can then reach the, the things on really high up shelves in the supermarket so she doesn't have to kind of scale the mountainside to, to reach the bag of flour or whatever it is she's after. So she goes prepared when she goes shopping to speak to someone and say, you know, can you help me reach this thing high up on the shelf? These women were going prepared to ask someone or a few people, can you help us roll the stone away? They're already discussing amongst themselves, well, who's going to help us move this, this great big stone? Because we're going to need some help. The tomb was sealed by the stone. It was closed. And sometimes, and I know a lot of people, especially if we're not Christians, Death and the tomb can seem like the final destiny of us all. We die. That's it. It's the end. Our fate or our tomb is sealed. Our life has simply gone away. We are no more. From dust we have come and to dust we return. A lot of non-Christians think that. Death is the end. It causes many to question what is the point of life? If it's just going to end in death, why, why bother? It causes many problems for people, especially when facing life-threatening illnesses, such as cancer. I've been there myself. I've, I've had cancer and been through all of that. Um, I'm on a few um, Instagram things for people with cancer. And one of the things that came up recently was someone said something and a whole load of responses came. And I was, I was amazed by the reaction of many people. Because the type of cancer I had, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, um, medicine at the moment says they can't heal it, so it will come back. And a lot of people live in the constant fear 
of, well, if it's just going to come back, well, what's the point? If it's just going to come back, how can I plan anything in the future? How can I have a future? It could all be gone tomorrow. And, and they live in this constant state of worry and doubt and what if and what if and it's coming back and I know it's coming back and they keep looking over their shoulder because they're afraid of the cancer but they're ultimately afraid of death. But it's not the final and ultimate full stop because the stone in front of the tomb, it was a rolling stone. It was rolled away. Why? Why? Why was it rolled away? Who was it rolled away for? I can tell you it wasn't to let Jesus get out because he was alive again. We see in other times when Jesus appeared to his disciples after his resurrection, we told they were in a locked room because they were really quite scared that the authorities were, were after them because Jesus' body wasn't there and there was all this confusion and, and fear and stuff. And Jesus appears to them in this closed, locked room. So Jesus, in his resurrected body, isn't limited by doors and walls and things, Okay. That, that's a different thing. We're going to have to get a head around a lot of stuff in the new heaven and the new earth when we have our new resurrected bodies. They'll be able to do things that these ones can't. The stone wasn't rolled away to let Jesus escape the tomb. All right? That was unnecessary. It was rolled away for those women who came to see him. It was rolled away for the Roman guards who were supposed to stop people from robbing the grave. It was rolled away for the male disciples who came along a bit later. They were a bit slow to catch on. They got there in the end. It was rolled away for us. Not so Jesus could get out, but so we could look in to see that it was empty to see that death is not the end it is not the final resting place Jesus is alive and that gives us hope and a future and a destiny we can trust in and live for we need to know that Jesus has defeated death and that the eternal life he offers is real and genuine. We have a much more glorious hope and destiny. But who moved it? Who moved the stone? God did. Who rose Jesus from the dead? It was the power and the spirit of God. And we are told that the same spirit who rose Christ from the dead is still alive. And guess where you can find him? Where can you find this spirit that rose Jesus from the, the grave? 
Romans 8.11 says, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Make no mistake, Jesus is raised to life. Jesus is no longer dead. He did die. A lot of people argue about, oh, he didn't really die. He did die, but he is definitely alive again now. Now, I'm not going to go into all the arguments that support the truth of the resurrection. All you need to do, if you want to know more, is just search for some of our old Easter Sunday sermons on YouTube or our website, and you'll, you'll hear a lot of those there. Because today I want to focus on this death aspect. Now, you probably hear Christians talking a lot about eternal life, and we sing it in songs and things, and Jesus promises eternal life and all this kind of thing. Many people think, wow, that, that's really weird. That's really strange. Why would someone want to live forever? Especially as we're getting older, our bodies start to stop working as they once did. We get a lot more aches and pains and I got cramp in my arms this week, which was a first for me, a very unpleasant. I hope that doesn't happen again anytime soon. Um, but why would we want to continue on and on and on, getting older and older forever? Just seems rather strange idea. But this is not what eternal life is all about. Jesus gives us eternal life, but we're still going to die. The mortal body that I inhabit now is going to die. My spirit will continue to live. Presently, we exist in the physical dimension. We sense things in the physical dimension. We're linked to the spiritual dimension too because we have a spirit within us. And when we die, it's our spirit that carries on in the spiritual dimension. We'll be separated from our mortal physical bodies. These bodies that have been born, that have been created in this fallen world. And there's another big Christian word. Fallen world, tainted by sin. When man sinned at the beginning, death entered creation. And the whole of creation has been corrupted and twisted by sin. So are our bodies. That's why they stop working. That's why things break down. That's why I get cramp in my arms. Not because I've done something bad, but because of the fallen nature of creation that we are part of. So this physical body will die. But our spirit in the spiritual dimension or paradise is also not the end. A lot of people think, oh, well, I'll, I'll go to heaven when I die. 
Oh, I'll, I'll become an angel when I die. No. I'll, I'll be on a cloud up there somewhere playing a harp or wh whatever, whatever. No, all right? You don't grow wings, you don't become angels, nothing like that. The Bible tells us that at the very end, so when we die, we'll go to paradise, okay? Our spirits will be there waiting for the final judgment, the end of everything. And the Bible says at that time, God is going to recreate earth. He's also going to recreate heaven. Okay, there will be a new earth and a new heaven. And this recreation needs to happen so that sin can get taken out of it. All right, so will there be a new heaven and there'll be a new earth. And this new heaven and this new earth are going to be joined together again, like they were before sin came in the Garden of Eden. At the beginning, heaven was on earth and God walked with man. The, there was no separation between the spiritual and the physical. Sin brought an end and a division to all of that. But once sin has been removed, that is all going to be restored once again. So we'll be joined together again with God. And he will be with and living with humanity once again. We will have recreated bodies without sin, without death, without pain, without disease. And we'll live for eternity with Jesus on the new recreated earth where the physical and spiritual realms coexist together. So, is death unpleasant? Yeah, it is. Is death painful? Yeah. Is it unavoidable? Yeah. But it's not the end. We do not have to fear death. Do not be afraid. We fear the unknown. And for so many people, that's exactly what death is. It's unknown. And I know a lot of the little tiny details around death, we, we don't know about. But the big stuff, the important stuff, we do know because God's told us about it. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 20 says, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And in my study Bible, it explains that first fruits belong to God, like a, a, a tithe. And then we anticipate the rest of the full harvest. So Jesus is the first fruits of those who have died in the sense that his resurrection signals the beginning of the new creation promised. Jesus is the firstborn from the dead. We see this in Revelation 1, 5. His resurrection marks the beginning of the general resurrection of all of us. 
Because Jesus rose from the dead, so will we. If we are in Christ, if we are living our lives surrendered to him, we don't need to fear death because we'll be moving closer to our resurrection and our eternity with him. In the discussions earlier, I was asked, Did you, were you afraid of death? Because I had cancer and I came pretty close. And actually, I wasn't. I wasn't afraid of death. I was sad that I'd be leaving my family behind. But I wasn't even afraid for my family because I know God and I know God's a good God. And that he's, he, he's got me, but he's also got my family. And I can trust my family to him and his care. So I don't need to be afraid because God's got me and God's got you. I was sad, but you don't need to be afraid. The stone has been rolled away. And Jesus is alive, and this changes everything. Amen. Amen. Amen.